0: Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast-track the learning curve to get ahead in your own life. Welcome to another episode of Responding to Life. Today I have joining with me is Vanessa Du. Vanessa co-founded HealthAid Kombucha in 2012 alongside her best friends and husband and wife team, Justin and Dana Trout. As chief sales officer, Vanessa brings an invaluable knowledge of sales and marketing amassed from years spent at a major pharmaceutical company before leaving to help start HealthAid Kombucha. Through her expertise in channel penetration and people management, Dew has led HealthAid's sales team to boost availability in key channels and markets while cultivating the HealthAid brand as a whole. The brand is now available in 30,000 stores, including Whole Foods, Target, and Trader Joe's. HealthAid has 300 employees. Originally from Los Angeles, Dew received her BS in biochemistry from UC San Diego and an MBA from the University of Southern California. One of her passions is to give back to the community and other entrepreneurs and serves as a USC Marshall Mentor, advises several young CPG companies, and is an active member of the Female Founder Collective Entrepreneurs Organization and Asian Business Association. She has been awarded the Next Gen Innovation Award and has spoken on her entrepreneurial journey from Singapore to New York City. In today's parenting episode, we will talk to Vanessa about a new role in her life, the role of mother to her adorable son, Oliver. We will also be talking about pregnancy during COVID, returning back to work with a newborn and Vanessa's role as an Asian woman in business. Thank you so much for joining me today, Vanessa. I'm so excited for our conversation today.
1: Thanks, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love your brand, Health Aid Kombucha. So, uh, you know, I've been drinking it every day, and so every time I drink it, I think about, oh, I cannot wait to talk to Vanessa, who is a new mom, who's returning back to work, who is an, a female entrepreneur, and. Is doing so much in her community. And so I thought that would be a great place for us to start our conversation just about your role in in business as an Asian woman, as an entrepreneur, and you know, how you we've been seeing these upticks in amplifying women's voices and minority voices. And I was curious to hear if you've always embraced your own Asian identity.
1: Yeah, um, great question and lots to unpack there. Um, growing up, I grew up in Los Angeles, an Asian American, um, and you know, the short answer is no, I haven't. It. Um, so it's really been a long journey for me to understand who I am, what my identity is, and how I can use that and view that as a strength versus what I was looking at it, it was which was a negative or trying to really conceal who I was. And I guess really growing up, I felt like I always lived in two worlds where I would, on the weekends, be going to Chinese school and taking part in a lot of Chinese traditions and eating traditional foods. Um, but at the same time, I was living in a very homogenous world of uh, where people didn't look like me. And you know, there I was playing AYSO soccer, sleepovers, and everything was very different from my home life. And so, you know, seeing that and living through it, I always felt like I wanted to conform more to the latter than to really lean into my traditions and heritage. Um, and it was, it particularly came to a head I, when I was in grade school. And I remember this, this boy who was um, in a grade older than me. I had, you know, my favorite food that my mom had cooked for me. I, hated sandwiches, I still do. And so she always cooked Chinese food for me. But um, I remember he, he said, I w- a racial slur that I won't repeat. And it made me feel so ashamed of who I was, uh, my food, it was delicious, but smelly to most, I guess. And I just remember thinking like, wow, I'm different. And I'm going to do everything I can to not be different. And so from that point on, I would say until my mid 20s, i I really concealed that side of me as much as possible, and it wasn't until I started to feel more comfortable in my own skin um, and it really, through building health aid, I've been able to understand how my culture, how my heritage really allows me a different perspective, but also gives me the strength and the uniqueness that is me and I should really be proud of that, but it wasn't that for a long time and so I really had to come to terms with that myself and it was and some people never do some people do early on um, and I did um, fairly in the middle I guess and I'm happy that I did because I feel like it definitely makes me stronger and have a unique voice out there
0: yeah I, I love that story that you have I'm sure it resonates with so many of the listeners and I see it with in in my own background and upbringing feeling that same sort of that same dichotomy and that, that pressure to fit in. And I'm seeing it in my kids as well. And so as a woman in business, you know, how you mentioned that that provides you your uniqueness, your background, your heritage provides you with a different perspective, which um, helps you out in business. And so how do you, how do you sort of lean into that, and then mentor other people? Um, I know you're involved with Asian organizations and other entrepreneur organizations. How do you sort of mentor others and in, into leaning not into just their heritage, but just into their differences?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, just in terms of building a business and being um, an Asian female, it's given me, I guess you could say, a platform and just a view into what a diverse um talent pool could really offer your organization, and so we've always been able to be diverse in who we're speaking to from a consumer side and from a you know, employee side and I'm really proud of that um, and seeing the benefits on how different perspectives can really help you build your story um, from a brand side and for me you know, in the early days of building health aid, it was head down let's just hustle. Um, show a lot of grit and make it happen. So it wasn't a lot of personal discovery in that way to give back to other Asian organizations. But as we started to have legs be under our business really start to grow it and I was able to come up for air a little bit, I realized, you know, there's not a lot of people who look like me around the boardroom table. There's not a lot of people who look like me on the other side of a desk. Um, just in CPG in general, and I started to feel really alone, actually. And it was through that feeling that I really started to explore. Well, what are other organizations and sounding boards? Are there that I could have a community to resonate with and understand? You know, my feelings in business. And honestly, it was at first it was really hard to find them. And interestingly enough, and so. Once I started to put my feelers out there, I started to meet other people who did, you know, have either the same cultural background as me or just really kind of the traditional mindset of one's heritage and wanting to understand a little bit more about that. And so as I started meeting different community organizations, I, I really felt this need that I wanted to be able to give back and contribute to other entrepreneurs, both. Asian and any other um, minority organization that really could use a voice um, and help them understand and see that there are other ways to create your life and design your life. It, and Especially being a Chinese American, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to follow and conform to a very conservative way that your parents always want you to be. I know I felt that for sure. And so you, know, as much as possible, I'm talking to other entrepreneurs who have had to take a lot tougher of a road and faced a lot of obstacles within their family life um, while being an entrepreneur or creating or designing uh, what they think is their life's purpose. And I think it's through those conversations and just through those initiatives that I've been really fortunate to come across many different amazing entrepreneurs with other diverse perspectives. And I'm really happy to continue to contribute to that.
0: I think it's so wonderful that you um, mentioned this feeling of loneliness in this community of of business that you, you are in, but then how you took that situation and and found a solution for yourself. and And that essentially is what this whole podcast is about and how it came to be. I wanted to shed a light to others about how people in various walks of life are able to respond to situations in their own lives and, and then eventually be able to, to do something with it in a positive and a more mindful way. And I see that as you, know, as you were talking about your experience, that is what was coming through. And so I would love to, you know, talk a pivot over into more personal part of your life, which was also like exemplifying how one responds to various situations. In your pre-interview, you had mentioned that you lost a parent as you were in the midst of building your business. And I was curious to hear how you in particular grieved your loss while still moving on ahead with business and with your company?
1: Yeah, I remember. So my mom passed away in early 2016. And you know, she's, she had a a form of cancer. But for as long as I can remember, I would say since I was six years old, she's always had some form of health issue, whether it be anemia or other um, just bouts where she had to go uh, be hospitalized. But the last five years of her life, she really fought hard um, and fighting off cancer actually. So I will say that, you know, she's always been a role model for me just as a fighter and someone to have a positive mindset to help overcome that, which may is coming towards you as an obstacle. And so, um, in that, I feel like when I did lose her, it was a lot of, um, trying to stay optimistic as one can in that, um, you know, really cherishing and, and reliving her memory um, through me. And so I feel like I never really, when I grieved, it was really trying to channel her actually. And so really trying to feel her with me still, because most of all, I just didn't want to lose all that. Um, she had taught me all that I had witnessed all that I had, I had observed of her really strong, just um, moral fiber, I guess. And so that was really important to me is to either meditate, reflect, or really just channel her energy in me. Um, and then we were in the throes of just building health Aid. I think we're only like three or four years, three to four years into it. And even at that stage, we were still just hustling. And I remember I was on the, I was supposed to go to a trade show the, that weekend and I had my bags packed. Um, and then the hospice nurse said, you really should come home because it's not it, it's not looking great. Um, and that was a pivotal moment for me because not only was I there for my family, which I needed to be, but I realized I could really lean on this team that we've been, been built at Health Aid. And that's so empowering and so strong when you have a a family of sorts in the business you've created that only... That not only feels your pain, but also will go the extra mile to make sure that you can really do what you need to do to, to feel whole. And, um, you know, they were really able to hold down the business for, I would say a good two weeks where I had to really talk, discuss family things and had to deal with a lot on my family end. Um, and we were going through the middle of a fundraise. So my co-founders were able to really understand the need to involve me in the need to handle things that you know, they can really filter for me at that time. And so I really am thankful for my, my partners in business, my team, and you know, my support system, I would say that um, I have never been one to really cry, and to really um, let emotion out and show it on my sleeve. But I really started to at that time. And I'm just so thankful for my friends who were there with me, blink of an eye. And, you know, one thing that my mom taught me um, is if you don't cry, your organs will cry for you. So during, I think, the grieving period, I was able to really just cry and my friends were just there. Um, so that was, I think, really helpful for me to get that out because I never really was able to do that before.
0: Oh, you know, first of all, I'm I'm sorry for your loss, Vanessa. It sounded like such a like a long process, but I do appreciate that you are able to look back on that time and be able to provide us with such words of wisdom. I have never heard that phrase that your mom said about. How if you don't cry, your organs will cry for you. But that is such a fitting statement in terms of repressing one's feelings and and not just letting them out. Uh, I think that's a beautiful way of really just sort of simplifying it and and explaining it to others. Because that's one thing that I've mentioned before on this podcast is that idea of allowing yourself to feel those emotions, no matter how scary it is, and that it's a it's a crucial step in being able to like move on. And then in terms of that, um, idea of being able to lean in on your team, that's such a big deal, especially as you're building your business to, to be able to do that. I can really appreciate that you were, you know, you were able to come to that step so that you could grieve your mother. I just loved all the different things that you shared about, about this process and per- perhaps most of all is this idea of channeling your mother's energy into what you were doing with your own life, with your business, so that you didn't lose sight of her spirit. And I think that probably informed so much of of just that of that business that you were growing. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that, Vanessa. I do appreciate
1: yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no problem.
0: And so you know, in in the same vein of talking about overcoming hardships and, and difficulties, you know, we can translate that now into what's happening in the world of experiencing this pandemic. And you yourself were, you were actually pregnant during this time of COVID. And I'd love to just have you share with the listeners about kind of what your expectations were for your pregnancy and really what, it ended up looking like amidst the veil of of COVID.
1: yeah so i guess i should back up so my uh, when i found that i was pregnant um it was actually a couple weeks after my my now husband proposed to me actually so it was um a a surprise pregnancy if you will but um, we were very excited about it because you know, we were starting our family together nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And so for us, there was just so many life changes that were happening in early 2020. And so, as I think when really COVID started to take shape, end of February, early March, I was about three months pregnant already. So I was right at the cusp where, um, as a mom, you feel more comfortable to tell your friends to um, you know talk about it a little bit more and it, and it was right at the time where we couldn't go out we were quarantined we I had you know pregnant women were the mo- very at risk so for me I feel like it could have been a really scary time um, whereas my expectation of how my pregnancy was going to go was you know pregnancy massages having you know a great doula support alive, really talking me through the breathing, um, you know going to the doctor with my husband to really see the ultrasounds and bask in the, in the ultrasound glow if you will. Um, and so that was all turned upside down because in early March, I remember getting a call from OBGYN saying you know your husband can't come to the appointments anymore. Um, it's only a solo. Um, couldn't get any pregnancy massages, couldn't get any of the support that I thought was going to be there, um, was just totally, we're just all at home. And also there was a bit of fear of, you know, I really have to be at home and I can't even go downstairs to the communal area of our condo because, you know, I'm at risk. And mm-hmm. so in the first couple weeks were really, I, I guess you could say scary in a sense. It felt apocalyptic in a way. And you know, little, it was great because I, I did have Kevin as a, a great support system. Um, but at the same time, I am an extrovert. Like, I do gain my energy from people, my loved ones. And so not having that around me was really tough. And I really, um, I, I don't think, I think I underestimated that effect. Um, until like recently, to be honest, um, I thought at that time it was just more so, okay, gotta do these things, gotta get these things done. Um, but an unexpected silver lining, I guess, was because I had a very rigorous work and social schedule, um, the quarantine and work from home basically afforded me no obligations anymore where I had to go in live to or fly across the country for some of these meetings or events. And so, it really did give me that time to just pause a little bit a little and be more present with my body and be at home a little bit more. And so in a way, I, you know, that's how I look at kind of the, the glass half full side of this whole thing. Um, but, you know, one thing was, you know, I I really wanted Kevin in the delivery room with me. And as time progressed, and as as I approached my ninth month, um, they weren't going to allow husbands into the delivery room. And that was going to be a deal breaker for me. And so I actually changed hospitals. I changed doctors within my last three weeks of pregnancy. And that was hard because I had really come to love my doctor. Um, mm. But I really valued having Kevin in the delivery with me. So a lot of pivots, um, a lot of just making it work. Um, and we were able to bring a beautiful baby boy into the world. And he certainly can have a story of um, birth and a unique time in this world when he, when he's old enough to hear it.
0: Well, congratulations again. Uh, Thank you. He is adorable. He is so cute. Aww. I've seen your pictures that you've posted and that's tremendous to be able to, to be able to have him in the delivery because yeah, I was hearing from many of my clients, the frustration of canceling, you know many of them were doing IVF and then the ones that were pregnant they you're right like they couldn't have their partners at appointments but I'm glad you were able to find a hospital that would allow for him to to be at the delivery because it's such a special moment so that's great yeah. that it worked out and yeah. how has your experience been as a new mom in the pandemic
1: Oh my goodness. Well, I can say that um, I love Oliver to pieces. I didn't think I could love anything this much, uh, but I do (laughs) as cheesy as that sounds, but I will say that, you know, for the first couple weeks or months of um, having newborn, I feel like you're always sequestered in anyway. And Mm -hmm. so at least a benefit of this is I didn't feel FOMO where all my friends and all the (laughs) events of life are happening. And I, was just at home taking care of a baby. Um, So in that way, I felt like it's been uh, maybe a blessing in disguise for my feeling level. Um, But I will say it's been really fortunate also where Kevin is working from home. So he's able to really see some of these milestones of Oliver growing up. And it happens also quickly. Um, And i was fortunate to have a postnatal doula who was able to take all the precautions to stay quarantined, get tested, and ultimately um, be with me for a couple days postpartum. So that really helped me. Um, I because my mom's not here, I didn't have, you know, the traditional foods that I think, you know, Chinese people usually partake in. So I was able to order from this company called Jing Mommy, which offers all the nourishing um you know, fourth trimester foods that really help mm-hmm. with healing and recovery, and helping with breast milk. Um, and so, in that way, I've been able to make do. Um, but it's just been a really special time. And again, I think about Health Aid and our team, and just the ability where you know everyone was able to step up and step into a new a new place in the business, well, in my absence, and really take things. And push things forward. So I appreciate them to no end uh, because without them, I wouldn't be able to spend a really significant quality time with Oliver.
0: I love that you're able to, you know, look at things in just this optimistic way, which is something I do myself, but I love being able to hear other people do the same. And that's great that you were able to, both you and Kevin, were able to really cherish this time together and you know, in the midst of, of what's going on in the world. And you're right. It goes by so quickly. And so, yeah, he's very cute. Um, and you're back to work now. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I am. And it was, um, last week was my first full week. Um, yeah. And then, um, and so it was, I would say the week leading up to going back to work was tough. Um, okay. Just because of all the emotions around um, leaving my baby, although you know physically leaving I'm just you know down the hall working from home um, <laughs> but um, we hired a nanny and so I had you know questions in my head handing a baby over to you know a seemingly stranger in my home. so there's a lot of you know emotion around that um, and so I just. It's he's my firstborn, and so just a lot of a flood of emotions with that. Plus the idea of stepping into back into healthy, where uh, things really could be different, but also the same. But it's more about the feeling of wanting and excited about taking healthy to the next level. But it's all about what that is entailed and what goes into that, um, and the energy needing to kind of build that. And so all of that combined caused for a really, I think, hectic mind space the week before. But, you know, I finished my first full week of work and it was great. My nanny's awesome. She gives Oliver so much love and attention better than I could when playing with him, to be honest. Um, and um in coming back has been a been a breeze with the team at Health Aid.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's always scary to head back into getting back into, I guess, like real life after you've been with your newborn and just spending that magical time together. But that's great that you're, like you said, you're just down the hall and that you, that's kind of a great way to sort of ease back into it, I would, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, it is work from home. And so um, baby and nanny are close and I go into the office whenever we have some live meetings, but Um, It is um, really a special time that I can just, you know, pop over, give a quick kiss and, you know, see some fun tummy time and some fun new developments happen.
0: And I, I'd love for you, I know that you, it was just your first full week of returning back to work, but I'm sure that you, like you said, you had to get back into sort of that mindset of now know, doing both. And I was wondering if at least in this beginning time of prepping for it and returning back, if you had any advice for women out there who are probably in your same shoes of raising a baby and also trying to get back into the swing of of their career.
1: Yeah. So I think it was really helpful for me to um, talk it out. I think there was a piece of me that felt like I needed to like compartmentalize, okay, baby here, work life here, feelings somewhere in there, and it'll all just kind of coalesce together. But um, the more and more I pushed off kind of the talking about it, the more and more I kind of came to a head and converged where I just totally broke down and was crying because all the emotions came over me. But I think talking it out to someone you trust or maybe you know someone who's a little farther removed from you that will talk to you about this stuff can help just really filter through the feelings in a way to just listen. Um, and I think the second is it's okay to show compassion to yourself. Um, you know, that those first two days, I wasn't able to just go, go, go and schedule back to back. Well, and just kind of be on like I was right before I went out. Um, nor do I think that's probably healthy anymore, but mm. um, I, I was able to give myself compassion and understand that um, I'm doing the best I can for both baby, myself, and the business, and that is the best and and most wonderful thing that can be given. So, being compassionate with yourself for sure, um, and then you know, I think communicating with whoever it is. In this case, for me, it's my husband and my nanny. Just communicating about schedules because I. I felt like, you know, the morning shift right before my nanny comes was just a burden on myself because that's what I was you know, doing basically for the last couple months. And, you know, my husband would just get up and he would go over to his office and shut the door. So that first week with scheduling was really tough because I was battling, okay, getting my baby ready and fed before nanny came, but I myself had to get ready. It's not just simply walking over to my desk and sitting down, um, feeding myself and getting back into uh, my Zen space to really be on. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't communicate with him about what I had going on. So I think it's really, really important to over communicate around who's going to be in charge of what. And now that it is a new normal what is the new normal when it comes to um, sharing and being partners in this workload of family life? Because Kevin is more than willing to do so, but I wasn't able, I just assumed it was going to be a certain way. And I, and I couldn't do it all. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's okay.
0: Yes. Communication is so key. And, and I've actually said this in a previous episode about how our partners really do want to help us out. They just don't really know what they need to do and in many instances. And so being able to be open about it and communicating is even though it may seem very hard to do at first really helps. It benefits everyone in the long run. And, and I love that piece about compassion because especially as, as mothers, we end up really, you know, trying to take on so much and not really giving ourselves space to breathe. And, and to really care for ourselves, but compassion is so key for oneself in order to be able to operate at a higher level, both for yourself, your family, and if you're working, and in all those different aspects of life. So, thank you so much, Vanessa, for sharing those those great pieces of advice. And I always end my podcast intervie- interviews by shifting to um, a mindset of positivity, and we do this by sharing a gratitude or two that you may have for today.
1: Yeah, I think I, and I love that by the way. So something I've been doing with Oliver when I put him down is just sharing a gratitude and a wish for the future. Um, And I think my, my gratitude that I'm going to share today with you is what I said to him last night is I'm thankful for our family's health. um, And I am really proud to continue to instill that in who he will be so that he really is able to live a strong, um, live a strong, um, and healthy life for himself. Um, so I'm thankful for that for
0: all of us. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy you are now and, but it was great to reconnect and I look forward to seeing the pictures of your beautiful family and just trying out more and more new flavors of, your healthy kombucha, which I just am so addicted to.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we have some new flavors out like watermelon um, and a couple, a whole new line called Healthy Plus. That is the oh. kombucha you know and love, but with new um, adaptogens really meant to help different functional states.
0: Oh, nice. I haven't seen, those are out? Yeah, we just launched
1: um, Healthy Plus in Whole Foods and oh. um, the other flavors like watermelon are out as well.
0: Got it. Okay. I get mine at Air One. So I need to, I need to make a pit stop at Whole Foods. Then. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Sounds like.
1: Coming to yeah. Air One soon.
0: Okay. Got it. Well, thank you again, <laughs> Vanessa.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Have a good one.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for today's wonderful conversation with Vanessa Du. I absolutely love speaking to female entrepreneurs that give back to their communities and support other females, particularly those of color. I greatly believe in the power of people coming together to uplift and empower. I hope you found some inspiring nuggets from Vanessa's interview and especially her advice on new moms returning back to work, compassion and communication. Be sure to check out her fantastic company, HealthAid Kombucha. I absolutely adore all of the flavors that they have out there. As a reminder, I offer general fertility and parenting-specific meditation sessions and workshops that you can book on my website, jayatlurie.com. In addition, please check out the free video meditations that I have posted on my site. To receive the latest monthly meditation, make sure to sign up for my newsletter, and you'll also receive monthly wellness tips and deals. My next Fertility Mindfulness Workshop is on November 14th. Podcast listeners get 25% off the registration fee using the code podcast. Sign up is now available on my site. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter, with an exclusive and free video meditation. Along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.